So after a brief break for Easter and then a visiting preacher last week, we continue with our sermon series through the Lord's Prayer, or as we've pointed out, really the Disciples' Prayer, the prayer that Jesus expects his disciples, his followers, his apprentices, you and me, uh, he expects that we will be praying this on a regular basis. So far in the series, we've had a look at the three requests that we make to God about God. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then we've looked at two of the requests that we make to God about ourselves. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And this morning we're going to have a look at the final request that we make to God for ourselves. It's a request in two parts. Matthew 6 verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As I say, it's in two parts and we'll look at the second part of the request next week. But we'll look at the first part today. Lead us not into temptation. As I thought about that phrase, uh, a couple of one-liner quotations came to mind that I've picked up over the years. I think it was Rita Brown who said, lead me not into temptation, I can find the way myself. Someone else once said, most people would like to be delivered from temptation, but would like it to keep in touch. Uh, the principal of my Bible college, uh, if you offered him a sweet or a piece of cake or something, he would say, I can resist anything except temptation, which was a little bit worrying, really, coming from my Bible college uh, professor. This morning, I'd like us to look at this little phrase under three headings. Firstly, what is it that we are actually praying? Secondly, why do we pray it? And thirdly, and most importantly, do we pray it? We'll spend most time looking at this first uh, uh, part. Uh, what are we praying? When we pray, lead us not into temptation. It seems like a strange request, doesn't it? Surely this isn't something that we need to ask of God. Uh, God is a loving Father who cares about us. Surely he is not going to lead us into temptation. And more than that, doesn't the Bible itself seem to argue against this request? Remember James chapter 1, the Bible says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So what is going on here? Well, I think there are a number of things that may help us in understanding this prayer. Number one, it is true that God doesn't tempt us. As I said, this part, this part of the prayer is in two parts, and we need to keep those parts close together. Jesus tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's clear that there is a distinction between God and evil. In fact, we see this exact pattern in the life of Jesus. I remember after Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and immediately after that we read in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. God didn't do the tempting, but in some way he led Jesus into a time of tempting. Now, how exactly that works in our own lives, I'm not sure. And the Bible doesn't give us a great deal of detail explaining this to us. 
What we can say, though, is that while evil does not come from God, God can use evil for good. God is so in control of evil that he's able to use it for good in our lives. And that can be a great encouragement to us. One writer points out that evil is no giant staggering through the world at his own whim. Somehow evil accomplishes God's will for purifying and disciplining his chosen ones. Number two, I think it's important to see that the word temptation can refer to two things. It can mean an attempt to get someone to do something wrong, what we most often understand by the word temptation. But it can mean a test or a trial where you test the quality of something or someone. And so we test ships before we send them off filled with passengers. Or you have test pilots who test out a new type of aircraft. If you're a young person, you may have gone for a driving test. You're testing the quality of something or someone. Pastor John Piper points out that in some senses, all of life is a test and a temptation. He says there is no moment of your life that is not a moment of temptation, a moment when unbelief and disobedience is not a possibility. Another writer puts it this way, there is no experience that we meet in life which is not in a sense a testing. Every moment we are required to make a choice and our choices prove us. Here is a duty, shall we do it or not? Here is a call to service, shall we accept it or decline it? Here is an impulse to something worthy, shall we yield to it or repress it? We have money. Shall we use it for God or shall we clutch it for ourselves? Sickness tries us. Shall we bear it patiently and take from it the gifts of God it brings us? Or shall we chafe and repine and leave our sick room harmed by the experience? There is no experience in which we may not sin. There is a wrong alternative in every call to that which is right. Instead of doing the duty, we may neglect it. Instead of making the self-denial or sacrifice, we may decline it. Instead of resisting the sin, we may yield to it. Temptation always brings an opportunity to overcome, to grow stronger. But if we fail to use the opportunity, we sin. And so testing and temptation are linked to a certain extent, and all of life is a test. Number three, and linked to that, we can say that sometimes testing is important for us and it gives a good result. Uh, those of you who are young, maybe you have done well in a test at school. It's an opportunity to prove what you can do. Or again, going back to the letter of James, James chapter 1 and verse 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And in the very first verse of the letter, verses 2 through 4, the Bible says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. 
There's sometimes great good that comes out of testing and even temptation. Number four, in praying, lead us not into temptation. It's good to remember that Jesus himself was tempted. And not just for 40 days after his baptism, but throughout his life. It's so interesting to see in Luke's gospel. Uh, Luke tells us that after those 40 days of temptation in the wilderness, we read that when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. Jesus was tested and tempted throughout his life. It wasn't just for that one period of 40 days. And so the writer to the Hebrews assures us and reassures us, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted. With that sin, the sin that I struggle with, yes, Jesus has been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And so here is someone that we can ask for help in our time of need. Number five, it's important to remember that Jesus taught his disciples and us this prayer and that in one particular situation, he urged his disciples to pray this prayer. Do you remember when it was? Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus died. Jesus is in the garden with his disciples, knowing that all that is about to happen to him and to them. And twice he says to the disciples, pray so that you will not fall into temptation. This prayer is one that Jesus feels is important for us to pray. Number six, not only did Jesus urge us to pray this prayer, but he also prayed it for us on our behalf. In John chapter 17, in Jesus' great high priestly prayer, again the night before he died, he prays for his disciples and he prays for us and he says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. In other words, Jesus prays for us, lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from the evil one. And finally, in terms of what we're praying, we need to remember a very important New Testament promise when it comes to the subject of temptation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So we can pray, Lord, deliver me from this situation. Please show me the way out of this sin in this particular situation. So putting all of that together, what are we asking when we pray, lead us not into temptation? One writer puts it this way. He says, we put our hand into God's hand in the morning and we ask him to lead us through the day. We know not what experiences may come to us and we ask him not to bring us into sore testings. The prayer is a request that in the doing of God's will for the day, we may not be brought into places where it will be hard for us to be faithful.
Well, secondly, let's ask the question, why do we pray this prayer? There are a couple of things. Firstly, because prayer changes things. One writer points out that God really does keep us from some temptations in response to our prayer. He says, God and his son do not charge us to play at prayer. Prayer matters. The sovereign God chooses to rule the universe in such a way that prayer plays a role. And when we pray against temptation, we can expect that in real and tangible ways, God will be pleased to keep us from temptations we otherwise would have encountered had we not prayed. Secondly, we pray this prayer in order not to hurt our Father. In one of his sermons on this passage, uh, the British uh, preacher Charles Spurgeon pointed out that this phrase comes directly after forgive us our sins. And he goes on to say then that having so recently experienced the joy of pardoned sin, we then develop a holy horror at the very thought of falling again into sin and hurting our Father. And thirdly, we pray this prayer because we are weak, but he is strong. The prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, is an admission of weakness. Now, we don't like to admit weakness, but actually admitting weakness is the beginning of wisdom. When we admit, Lord, I can't handle this on my own, please help, that's when we're strong. But when we think we're strong, that's when we're weak. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and he says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Remember how in that Garden of Gethsemane, Peter said to Jesus, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. And yet just a few hours later, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. That would not have happened had he taken Jesus' advice and prayed that he would not be led into temptation. Uh, Peter certainly learned his lesson later on in his life in his letter to one of the churches in Asia. He writes these words, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we'll look more at that next week. And then the third question to us this morning is this. Do we pray this prayer? Do we pray it? When last did I pray, lead me not into temptation? Give us today our daily bread. I certainly pray that often. Give me the stuff that I need or the stuff that I think that I need. Forgive us our debts. Well, I pray that one, maybe not quite as often as give us today our daily bread. But lead us not into temptation. When, when last did we pray that? And isn't it sad that we often don't? We spend a lot of time keeping our bodies in good physical condition. We go to the gym, we watch what we eat, we have an annual checkup, we go walking. But are we monitoring our souls? Are we keeping watch that our souls aren't slipping into temptation and sin? Do we want to be delivered from temptation? Or would we like it to keep in touch? I think that one of the things that helps us in our struggle against temptation is to recognize that sin is not fun. It robs us of the beautiful life that God intends for us. 
Jesus spoke about that in John chapter 10. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And there just needs to be a recognition in my life that God's way is best. And a relationship with him is better than anything else in the world. And temptation makes us doubt that. And that was the original temptation in the Garden of Eden. Satan putting doubt in Eve's mind as to the goodness of God. God's holding out on you. He's not good. He's not enough. Temptation makes other things look more real and lovely and more exciting than God. And we're tempted then to pursue those things rather than God. And the tragedy is that those things in time actually destroy our lives. But it looks so tempting. And so one of the ways then to avoid temptation is to take other paths, paths that lead us to God. As the psalmist says, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And where are we willing to be led Or where do we want to walk in this week that lies ahead? Certainly not into temptation. But will we walk then into times of prayer? Will we walk this week into times of reading God's word? Will we walk this week into times of walking with God, enjoying his world? Will we walk into silence and solitude and just being with God? Will we walk into a small group Bible study? Will we walk into church? Pastor Don Carson puts it this way in his commentary on these verses. Lead us not into temptation, but away from it, into righteousness, into situations where far from being tempted, we will be protected and therefore kept righteous. Lord, draw me closer to yourself. Let me become more and more like Jesus. Let me make spiritual progress. Help me so that this time next year I'm not struggling with the same sin. I'm moving on to other areas of my life that need changing. Lead me not into temptation, but lead me deeper into you. Let's close with one final reminder that Jesus himself faced temptation and overcame it, and so he will help us too. The writer to the Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. But he has. In other words, keep on going. Keep on struggling. Don't give in. Don't give up. And keep on praying. Lord, Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one. Let's pray together. O God, I cannot undo the past or make it never have happened. 
neither can you. There are some things that are not possible even for you, but not many. I ask you humbly and from the bottom of my heart, please God, would you write straight with my crooked lines? Out of the serious mistakes of my life, will you make something beautiful for you? Teach me to live at peace with you, to make peace with others and even with myself. Give me fresh vision. Let me experience your love so deeply that I'm free to face the future with a steady eye, forgiven and strong in hope. Amen.